Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back. Goes reverse with a left hand. It was sweet. This is Warriors Roundtable. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Bryant throws it out for Meeks. Dribble drive on Curry. Goes in. Knocked away by Andrew Bogan. It's out of bounds. Early candidate for our Bug Zapper swan of the game. Curry dribbles to the far side, draws a crowd, throws to Boga, touch pass, Jared Jack, good, pump fake, off the dribble, two on the way, bang. Ten for Jack, 20-point lead for the Warriors. He says, everybody get up, and they respond. It's a message that was sent. I wanted my guys to understand that we are the better basketball team. They are in the rearview mirror, and I have not checked it. And I will not. Some of the excitement from last night out at Oracle. A big win for the Golden State Warriors as they knock off the Los Angeles Lakers 109-103. to You heard head coach Mark Jackson right there. His team wanted to make a statement. They roared out to a 25-point second-half league. A more than enough cushion uh, to hold off a Los Angeles rally in the fourth quarter. And you also hear the comments from the head coach there that he knows his team's the better team, and he's not checking the rearview mirror right now. Very important game in this regard. It was a huge game for the Lakers. If they had any chance of catching the Warriors and getting to six, or even catching Houston now and getting to seven, they had to win last night. Now they're three and a half back of Houston with 11 to play for the number seven spot, and they're four and a half back or Golden State in the six. So I think any chance the Lakers had of moving up went by the boards last night, barring either a complete collapse from either the Warriors or the Rockets. I just don't see that happening. I think for the Lakers right now, their best-case scenario is eight. Now, for Golden State, obviously, uh, now increasing their lead on the number six spot to a full game on the Rockets, the rest of the homestand, and then a road game at Phoenix, followed by two more home games. And Golden State has this little stretch right now where they can really uh, try to get some separation on the Rockets and try to solidify that hold on the number six. As you look at the next six games, Golden State, five of those at home, and the only road game down in Phoenix. So Golden State has a chance if they can somehow run the table on those next six, get the 47 wins, puts them in a very, very good spot. Hi, Tim Roy. And once again, we ask you to take a seat around the Warriors Weekly Roundtable and enjoy. For the next hour, we'll be hearing conversation about the NBA and the Golden State Warriors. Coming up next half hour, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News will join me to talk about the Miami Heat's winning streak, what he thinks about the Golden State Warriors, and also how different teams prepare for the postseason. David Lee sat down with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald on a recent road trip and shared his thoughts about his all-star season and about the Warriors heading for the playoffs. I'll answer your questions on Twitter at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox, and we'll also find out how Festus Azili helped local teachers make the Bay Area a better place to live. Hi, Tim Roy. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. All of that is upcoming this hour. And don't forget, the excitement of the Warriors playoff push continues next Wednesday, April 3rd, when the Warriors take on the New Orleans Hornets. Take advantage of a special dynamic deal brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. Get lower-level tickets for just $65, plus the first to 10,000 fans receive a Warriors slam dunk poster courtesy of Kingsford Capital Management. Go to warriors.com slash dynamic deal to take advantage of of this special ticket offer. David Lee sits down with Bob Fitzgerald when we continue. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and one foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Now Curry will take a baseline, throws it up, nice. to Lee for a two-hand slam. Back door. Love that creativity and vision. 18 points, 9 rebounds for Lee. Warriors 98, Lakers 76. Join the excitement of the Warriors' playoff push and see the biggest remaining home games, including key matchups against the Jazz and the Thunder. Choose from any four remaining home games, and the playoff push packages start at just $75. For ticket information, go to warriors.com slash playoff push or call one 888 gsw hoop and press option number one. 
Well, David Lee is our guest tonight. He recently sat down with Warriors television announcer Bob Fitzgerald on a recent road trip. Last night played very well against the Los Angeles Lakers, scoring 23 points, having 12 rebounds and 2 assists. For Lee, his 48th double-double, he leads the NBA in that category, and also the 26th time he has had a 20-10 and 10 game. And, of course, that is also league-leading. He sat down with Bob Fitzgerald and talked about his all-star season and about the Warriors heading for the postseason. All right, so I want to grab you for kind of the... I mean, we're 70 games, getting there, moving towards the end of it. You've said, you know, making the playoffs because you've never done it in your career. Two-time All-Star. I mean, what would making the playoffs really mean to you? It means a lot, especially because these last couple years, uh, it's been a goal and we've come up short. And, uh, you know, this year I think that we've had a much improved team. Chemistry's been amazing. We've had a group that's been fighting for this all season long, so it'd be a great reward for us at the end of the year here. Your game lefty righty scoring inside the mid-range rebounding kind of that relentless effort you were by your lonesome for a long time and now Andrew Bogut has kicked in in recent weeks what has that meant how does it change this team well I think it gives us a lot more balance I think uh not you know it's it's not a a situation where where uh you know we're going inside to me or shooting jump shots and and then going inside to Carl when he comes off the bench we have two bigs we can go into I think it makes you know all five guys on the floor a threat right now uh and and then of course Andrew's you know uh contributions defensively uh something we've talked about all season long when he's playing defense the way he has these these last couple weeks it makes us that much better of a team you and Steph Curry have really kind of been the leaders all year long you've kind of grabbed the youngsters and put them around you know you know arm around the shoulder how do you assimilate Bogut into the mix you know it's tougher when a guy's injured and not playing now he's here he's got a quirky personality he's kind of funny he's you know he's got a little something how does this team that's so close and had such great chemistry how do you bring him into the fold well I think I think he's done a great job of of putting himself in the fold he you know he gets along with everybody off the court uh, you know, on the court, uh, he's he's given the effort and uh, and he's played through at times, played through pain here in the last couple of weeks, and, and we know he's not 100. Uh, percent I'm not sure anybody's 100 percent this time of year, but uh, but you know he's he he's done a great job of, of putting himself in that mix, and and uh, and we, we think he's a great teammate, and, and and obviously he's contributed a lot on the court. So um, you know that's that's been our chemistry has been one of our strengths all season long, and and. The best part is that we've had Bogut consistently these last few weeks. We, we had, you know, it hasn't been two nights in the lineup, one night out of the lineup. So we, we've gotten a chance to kind of get him in the flow and, and, uh, and gotten back to, to playing the way we're capable of playing. It's kind of nice to see the all-star power forward David Lee is with us on KMBR. And, you know, the, take me back to the beginning of the season versus how this season has played out. Exceeded expectations, I think, by everybody's estimate. And yet, you guys are in it. You're the players. How did you look at it coming to training camp? And now with the end of the season in sight, you know, just reflect a little bit on how these months have gone. Well, season's definitely a marathon, uh, not a sprint. Um, you know, we, we started out uh, with our goal to make the playoffs and got off to a really hot start. And uh, we knew that the toughest part of our schedule was going to be that February where we played, you know, two road trips with four games and five nights against playoff teams. And uh, more experienced teams than us, and we knew that we were going to hit a hit a rough patch, uh, whether it was then or some other time during the season. And I think the biggest, you know, most important thing is, you know, when you reach that adversity, when you hit that adversity, how you respond. And I think our team's done a great job of responding. And I'd like to think that Steph Curry and I's leadership uh, has something to do with that, and as well as Mark Jackson and the rest of the coaching staff keeping us in line. Um, but, you know, every team hits their ups and downs throughout the season. I think that we've done a, a great job with the roster that we have of getting the most out of us thus far, and that's something we need to continue uh, moving on into playoff time. Now, if I'm wrong here, tell me I'm wrong, but my read on you is that what makes you good is the chip on your shoulder in kind of, well, David Lee can't do this, or the Warriors can't do that, or Steph Curry can't stay healthy, is that I think that's motivated you guys. I think it, it's one of those, you don't respect us? You don't think we're any good? You don't think this team's any good? And I think that's what makes you guys good. It's something out there. I mean, is that a fair assessment or not? I'll tell you what, the, the time where that was most true was right at the start of the season because we came in and, you know, a lot of people picked us 13th, 14th in the West. And, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that were supposedly supposed to lead our team, uh, you know, weren't as good as everybody said. And Coach Jackson has no experience. And the roster, the young guys, uh, aren't ready to play and, and any negative you could think of you know those things were said 
And I think that that we really had that that uh, motivation, like you said, from the negative talk going on, and and we went out there to prove people wrong. And and once we saw what we were capable of doing as a team, I think from there. Uh, we've had that confidence all season long that if that if everybody pulls their weight and that we keep doing things as a team and playing the way we're capable of playing, that that uh, we can be a winning basketball team and it's held up. Oracle and those fans and all these sellouts and you think of the great wins this year at Miami, the Spurs game at home, the Knicks game at home with an NBA season best defensive performance. What's it like to play and kind of feel the noise from that 20,000-person crowd? I know broadcasting, the noise has kind of a physical quality to it. You guys are the ones creating all that fan. And what's that like to be on the court with that home court advantage? That's a huge advantage. It's, it's been amazing all season long, and, and I know the fans have been starved for a winning team for a long time and, and uh, had a season or two mixed in there where they had some wins. But overall, it's, it's been some, some tough years for Warrior fans, but... I think that, that, that the, the fans supported us from the start of the season, and I think when we got back from that road trip after beating Miami, beating Atlanta, beating Brooklyn, uh, you know, fans started to see what this team was capable of and really started to rally around the team, and I think it's gone to an even higher level since then, and, of course, all the sellouts. So we really are a team that appreciates our fans, um, not only the players but the coaches in the front office, uh, some that – we talk about all the time we'll have a tough road loss you know it's one of those thoughts like man we can't wait to get those guys in oracle because we have a lot of confidence uh at home and um and and it comes from the fans in the atmosphere wrapping it up with david lee on kmbr bob fitzgerald with you and uh what did the all-star game mean i mean you had been there before but the warriors had had a big all-star drought uh it's a crime steph was not there with you and i think he's proven to the rest of the league that there was an omission there but to wear that Warrior jersey and you know do the media stuff, to be there among the elite players, it had to be personally really rewarding, and then you represented the franchise really well. Yeah, no question. I mean, I, you, you don't go into the season thinking of individual goals, but what it does is it reinforces the fact that nationally we're getting some attention that, that we're a team to be reckoned with and that the franchise is headed in the right direction. Because, uh, you know, people that are on winning teams get rewarded. I think I was a product of our winning, uh, of our winning ways this year. Uh, if we're 10 games under 500, I, I think that somebody else gets a nod over me. Steph obviously deserved to be in there. Everyone knows that. Um, but, you know, he's a young guy. He's got a lot more chances the way he's playing. Uh, hope to have both of us in there next year. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, it was just an honor to end the drought this season, to go represent, you know, the Warriors in the All-Star game. But not only in the Sunday game, but we had two guys in the rookie-sophomore game with Harrison and Clay, and also Steph in the three-point contest. So, I think it really goes to show you know, where this franchise is headed and, and uh, some of the pieces are, are being well-respected by everybody nationally now. The, the one thing I always say on the talk show, so I'll say it while I'm talking to you, is in a league with LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard and Zach Randolph, the guy who has the most 2010 games in the NBA is the guy I'm sitting here talking to. How is that possible? I mean, how, how is David Lee in the top 10 in rebounding and the top 10 in scoring and the most 2010 games. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, is it just work ethic? Is it just motor? Is it just wanting to do it? Because rebounding is unfun. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard work. And I, I just think it's a tremendous credit to, to how you play the game. Well, thank you. I, I, you know, I think the, the most difficult thing, we've had this conversation before on the road, is, is being consistent i mean it's easy to go out there and and to have you know a 30 point game it's not easy but it's it it happens to a lot of guys in the league the most difficult thing is you know a game like last night i was sore Uh, my knee's been giving me trouble uh you're on a back-to-back we had we had played a very emotional game in houston and we go and we play you know in an arena in new orleans where there was you know they said 11,000 fans but i'm thinking more around (laughs) 1100 fans but you know, it was, it, it was a game where we had to create our own energy, and those are the games when, um, when I think your character comes out and, and you got to find a way when you're not feeling your best to go rally and to go help your team win the game. And, and uh, you know, I think that the, the significance of, of, you know, getting a double-double is that you've contributed not just scoring the basketball, not just sitting out there shooting jump shots, but you've, you've contributed in more than one category. And, and for me... I just focus on the rebounding. If I can go out there and, and get you know 10 to 15 rebounds, that gets me physically involved in the game. It gets me playing aggressive on both ends, going after the ball, and everything else seems to take care of itself. But you know, the most difficult thing, once again, is, is that consistency, and it's something I pride myself on is trying to show up every night and, and be my best. 
right. One, thanks for the time. Two, I promise the last question here. Um, I think these rookies don't know what it's like to have a team like this. You've been in the league long enough. I've been in the league a long time. Whether it's a chemistry or a friendship or legitimately pulling for each other, lack of drama, lack of business, contracts, all that, have you been able to express to these young guys, like, it's your first year, you have no idea how lucky this situation with the Warriors has been? Yeah, I, I, I try to tell them through telling the horror stories of the past that I've been through and, and other guys have been through and you know Bogut and Richard and, and all the other veterans uh, and even Steph can tell some pretty funny stories so uh, I think yeah I think Draymond and, and Harrison and Festus and these guys who are all with big time college basketball programs think you know the NBA chemistry is just like a college chemistry where guys get along and it's like you know it's like a summer AAU team where everybody's friends and you're 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 having fun and pulling I said you know, you guys don't understand. You know, this is not usually how it is in the NBA. This this really has been somewhat of a college atmosphere. We got, you know, veteran guys, young guys, and and everybody seems to, you know, seems to come together. And and you know, you got to give a lot of credit, I think, you know, to Mark Jackson for kind of setting the tone. And he's made it all all season long. It's been about one thing, and that's you know, winning. And and we've had a lot of guys whose minutes have fluctuated, whose you know uh, role has fluctuated on the team, and. And for some reason, we've had guys that have just put the team first, and and uh, you can't always explain why that exists or why it doesn't exist on a team. But we have it on this team, and it's it's helped us to, to like I said before, get the most out of this roster and uh, and and overachieve as a team this season. All right, we use it. All-Star David Lee, but the fun one is playoff bound. My thanks to Bob Fitzgerald and to David Lee for helping us out here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. When we return, Festus Azili talks education on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee got the rebound. Top of Clay Thompson for three. Yes! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The rap scholar, here to make a dollar, try to holler, guaranteed to make you holler. Check it out. The Golden State Warriors continue to try to make the Bay Area a better place to live. In this case, Warriors center Festus Azili went to Chabot Elementary School in Oakland and joined local and state PTA presidents along with local educators in a panel discussion on the importance of education, family engagement in a child's life, the benefits of an active PTA, and ways to begin planning and saving for college now. Of course, Azili, coming from Nigeria, had a different path en route to enrolling at Vanderbilt, but he knows the value of a good education and was more than willing to share that enthusiasm for learning with local students and local teachers. Thank you for having me. I graduated high school at the age of 14 back in Nigeria. My mom, is a, she, she's a principal. And so she kind of, all throughout my life, she always instilled those things in me of hard work, you know, especially in the classroom. Yeah, at the time, I, I thought, it, I mean, I always thought my parents were being strict. You know, they always wanted me to do my work on time, always, you know, all stuff like that. And I really didn't like it, but I just, I, I didn't like doing, being forced into school. But eventually I, I began to like it because I, I spent so much time with my schoolwork. Basketball, I mean, I'm a basketball player now, and that's what actually helped me as well to get into Vanderbilt, but I really just wanted to go to school. I was a biology major when I got to Vanderbilt. Didn't really think about the NBA, you know, I didn't, I mean, I just wanted to go to school. I really enjoyed going to school at the time. Those those things, those, um, the hard work that my parents instilled in me from the classroom, it kind of started creeping into basketball. You know, every day I'm always in the gym, every day I'm always working, the same way I'm always reading. You know, all those little things here and there, I mean, it started to add up and I started getting better at basketball. Now, back then, I, I, used, to, I used to wonder, like, what, what is the point of geometry? What's the point of algebra? Why am I doing calculus? You know, like, that's what, I never understood it. Why, if I solve for X, I mean, how's that going to help me be a doctor? <laughs> you know, in life, you have a lot of problems. There's a lot of things you encounter as a grown-up. I'm starting to figure it out now. The real world is a lot different in college. In school, you get all those tools that you need to, to, to gather information to, to come to a conclusion. You know, that's what that does. That's what education does for you. Like, it's like, even, in, even with, with English, reading books, like, I always heard, I, the, my, the worst story I always, I hated as a kid, was the story of the turtle and the hare. Everybody knows that story, about the, the turtle beating the hare in a race. Like, I hated that story because it was like, 
Why would why would the hair why would it rest in the middle of the race? Like you're racing, why would you decide to take a nap? <laughs> Are you serious? And like it wasn't I mean with education, stories like that make sense. You know, what it tells you is hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. I love that 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 quote. You know, because that's the same. I've been the underdog my whole career with basketball. Is that I came into the game, I didn't know what was going on. Matter of fact, my first points I scored in basketball were against my own team. And they were all, my teammates were mad at me. I was so happy because that was my first bucket. You know, I was, I was very happy. But you know what, eventually with life, I mean, with everything, that's what the story teaches you. Work hard. Everybody else that didn't work as hard as you do, they, you eventually catch up to them. That's what, this, that's what education does for you. It teaches you all stuff like that. And I'm, even though right now I'm not, I'm not using it as much as I could have if I was in the, if I was, behind the desk somewhere. It's still, I'm still, I'm very glad because I got my diploma at Vanderbilt. I'm still very glad because I have something to fall back on when I'm done with playing basketball. Shoots over him, it's up a good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions on Twitter, Warriors Box, Warriors VOX, or you can send me an email at timroy at warriors.com. We try to answer as many questions as we can. But first up tonight on Warriors Box, I have to bring you this. It's one of my favorite NBA stories of all time. Happened back on March the 23rd, 1979, and was the subject of our This Date in NBA History feature on a recent game. Back on that day, the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Nets replayed the final 17 minutes and 50 seconds of their contest that was originally played on November 8th, 1978. Harvey Ketchings was a defensive forward who played for the 76ers back in that game in November, and he unravels this incredible tale of NBA emotion and NBA justice. Yeah, when they called a double technical going into the fourth quarter, uh, we were playing New Jersey, and um, it changed the whole complexion of the game for New Jersey. And Obviously, uh, Kevin Lockery filed a uh, grievance with the NBA and protested the game. And during that period, um, Philadelphia and New Jersey made a trade. Uh, They traded Ralph Simpson and myself to New Jersey for Dalvin Skinner and Eric Money. And the thing that was unique about that situation was that um, we had to play Philadelphia a little bit later in the season and uh, the way that it was situated was we would come in and play that last quarter first in first place uh, they won the protest New Jersey won the protest so you know that last quarter had to be played over so when we got into Philadelphia we had to play that fourth quarter before we played the regular game at 730. And the thing that I remember most was uh, that was my first time back to Philly since I had been traded, obviously, and going in and going to a different set of locker rooms, number one, and number two, going out on the floor and sitting, <laughs> you know, in a different set of seats, uh, and then getting on the floor and actually playing against the guys that I had actually, you know, had a great relationship for the last you know, four and a half years in, uh, in Philadelphia. And and after the game, taking a look at the box score and seeing my name on both sides of the box score, which was, you know, the most bizarre thing that I think that I've ever, ever seen. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, one, you know, uh, Ralph and I had on a different uniform, and a lot of them, you know, recognized us and, you know, they were – you know, clapping for us and everything, and uh, it, it wasn't a you know it wasn't a lot of fans in there at the time, and I don't, and, and you know maybe it's because well, you know I mean the real game was going to start at seven thirty in the eyes of a lot of people, um, so it wasn't a, a lot of lot of fans in there, but the fans that were there, you know, they were like, you know, dumbfounded in a sense because it's like okay, you're going to play a quarter, and 
Harvey and Ralph are on a different team, and we've got Eric and Talvin here. So, I mean, it, 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 it was weird because I don't think a lot of people really, really know, you know, know about that. Um, I know for a while Harvey Pollock in Philadelphia, uh, he made a big thing out of it. And every anniversary, you know, he would, you know, uh, you know, something would come up out of it. But, um, you know, I mean, I even have friends that I haven't spoken to about, you know, this, this situation here. So let's update. Harvey Catchings and Ralph Simpson played for the 76ers. Eric Money and Al Skinner played for the Nets in November. But four months later, they have been traded for each other. So now Catchings and Simpson around the Nets and Money and Skinner around the 76ers. It's the only time in the history of professional sports that any player has played for both teams in the same games. A participant that night was Henry Bibby, who played for the Philadelphia 76ers, and he goes back to the crazy moments of that game in November. You know, it's, it's like the most bizarre game I've probably been involved in my whole coaching career uh, and, and my playing career, to see so many technicals being tossed, 11 technicals in a game. A guy starts the game with uh, one team with 37 points, and uh, the game is replayed. And he gets 23 points. He finished with 23 points. So how do you go from 37 to 23 in a basketball game? It's unbelievable. I get, but you know, Kevin Lockery was the type of coach who was animated all the time, uh, up and down on the sideline. So he, he created a lot of situations for himself. And Roger McCann, you know, a good official, but not a good official probably that night, uh, you know, assessed all those technical fouls throughout the game. And the game just went crazy. Um, uh, I think Kevin Larkin was a little upset because Dr. J was playing for us and not for the Nets, uh, and, and guys being traded over, which was which made it uh, very very different. It, you know, it was a great game, but it's a, a game that I always will remember, and it, it'll probably go down in history as the greatest game of all times because you never see that many technicals. No, no one person or, or or a coach can get three technical fouls during the course of a game, and that's what we saw that night. For the record, the Nets were assessed eight technical fouls in the game, two for playing a zone defense, three on Coach Lockery, and three on Bernard King. Just a crazy, crazy game. The game actually went to double overtime, Philadelphia winning 137-133 to before they went ahead and played the second game of the two. Just a bizarre, bizarre game. Super John Williamson was high score for either team, a 42 for the New Jersey Nets. Just a crazy story, but it's one of the great stories in NBA history. We thought you would enjoy hearing about it this week here on the Roundtable. Time now to get to some of your questions at Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX on Twitter. Off Twitter, one question is, I noticed the Warriors are shortening the rotation. Are they trying to figure out the right mix in preparing for the playoffs? I think yes. I think Mark Jackson right now is trying to figure out what rotation will work the best. The bench has not been giving him what he wants in recent weeks, so he's trying to find the right combinations. In a playoff situation, I think you're going to see Festus Azili come off the bench with Jared Jack and Carl Landry. But if they go nine deep, I'm not sure who that ninth person would be right now. Might be Kent Bazemore, could be Draymond Green, could be Richard Jefferson. Uh, A lot of possibilities there, but I don't think any one person has stepped up to be ahead of the other at this point. And look for continued experimentation and a juggling of the rotation when he gets that deep as Mark Jackson gets ready over the final 10 games of the season. SF Giants Nicole wants to know, how do the Warriors get better at putting the hammer down on teams when they're up big? Well, we thank you for listening, and I think part of the reason is that the Warriors don't have a go-to player set or play that they can say, okay, we're going to go to this play four times in a row, and we're going to get something out of this because of the fact that we know we can get something. It's like when the, the Jazz were in trouble and you're making a run on Utah, what did they do back in the day? They went pick and roll with Carl Malone and John Stockton, two Hall of Famers. Warriors don't have that right now, and they're trying to find out. But for Mark Jackson, he's not as concerned as you might think simply because he knows how young his basketball team is. I got a young basketball team. You know, I was just reading where David and Steph said it was the first time in their careers that they won 40 games. You can't force the process. You know, you got to be patient with it. I'm extremely proud of these guys. So now it's the first time they've ever won 41, and it's something to celebrate. That was the comments from the head coach, Mark Jackson, last night after the game, talking about how his team is learning on the job. And there's a lot to that because – 
you know, Andrew Bogut has played in the playoffs, but David Lee, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, none of those guys have been on a playoff team, obviously. So they're learning as they go down the stretch how to close games. You know, they've never been on teams that have won a lot of games in the NBA. So this is all a learning process, not only for the guys as individuals, but for this team collectively. And so this is a learning year uh, for the Golden State Warriors. Final question from Arvin Sundar wants to know, why does the team have a big turnover problem, especially over the last two months? No lead is safe due to this flaw. That's partially correct. Uh, The Warriors have not done a great job of protecting the basketball over the last couple of months. That's one thing they have to get better at. It's not the turnover on the fast break when they're pushing and trying to make something happen. It's the soft cross-court pass. It's the pass off the dribble off of one hand that uh, doesn't have the mustard on it or just simply the sloppy pass. Uh, So those things, just being a little more careful with the ball. You know, if Golden State keeps their turnovers to 15 and below, uh, they're in great shape because they're a great shooting team. They're not just a good shooting team. They are a great shooting team. So I think if, if they keep their turnovers to 15 or below, they're going to give themselves a chance to win every game they're in because their shooting ability will allow them to be in games where they're not playing great, and if they, they add the defensive effort to that, Uh, They're going to be a tough team to face in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. Thank you for all your questions. We always appreciate it. At Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or Tim Roy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News will stop by to talk the Miami Heat's winning streak. I'm also going to ask him about his thoughts on the Golden State Warriors and what to do with the Los Angeles Lakers. All coming your way here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Always a pleasure to talk some round ball with Sean Devaney of the Sporting News. And, and Sean, uh, it's great to have you on here and so many things to talk about. And first time I can remember that we've had two teams on tremendous winning streaks. Of course, Denver's get snapped last night uh, in their loss in New Orleans. But you have to start with what Miami's doing. And, and it's it's kind of a uh, – I'm the historian of the group, so it's kind of a bittersweet thing for me because I love the Lakers' 33-game win streak. I think they were playing against better competition than Miami is playing against right now because of the expansion of the league. But you have to give the Heat credit. They're not stumbling. Uh, they have had a couple of tremendous comebacks in this streak, and they're beating the teams that the schedule has put forth. So what they're doing is is truly remarkable. Yeah, and 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 you're right. You know, there have been some some points during this streak at which you say, uh, you know, well that's it, it's done, and and they find a way to come back. You know, certainly in Boston, um, March 18th, um, that that Monday night game that they had. Uh, that that was certainly remarkable. That that's such a tough place for them. Uh, they had lost ten straight in the regular season. Of course, Celtics took them to seven games last year in the playoffs. So uh, you know this is this has been a team that's had such you know caused them such trouble. Uh, and to be down thirteen uh, with uh, eight and a half minutes to go in that game and still be able to come back and win in a place that has caused you so much trouble, I think that was probably the most impressive uh, point in the streak. And then of course they they came back next time out. In Cleveland, and erased the uh, you know a deficit that was more than twenty points. So uh, you know it's it's really been remarkable the way that uh, when they clamp down, they just find a way to uh, uh, to overcome anything and and really beat anybody who's in their path. Before I ask you another question about the streak, you brought up Boston, and do you think when it's all said and done, when LeBron is is standing in Springfield in his induction speech, do you think the game that people will point to Will be the game six, you know, in Boston, Miami on the ropes. They're down three games to two, and you know that was the night where LeBron I thought was was unbelievable. He just would not let his team lose that game. Is that the game we're going to look back and say that's where LeBron started to define his career? Yeah, because that that is the kind of game that when he was in Cleveland, uh, they lost. You know that that is the kind of game where. Uh, you know, you, you just had all the nonsense coming out, and and and, and certainly he had had that problem 
when he was in Cleveland, that coming into Boston, especially in the playoffs, uh, it was impossible for him to find a way to win. And, uh, and, and, and then to come out with the 45 points in that game. And, uh, and really, if you, I, I was at that game and watched it closely, and uh, Boston had him defended pretty well. <laughs> they, and I remember Doc Rivers saying uh, after the game, you know, I actually liked the shots that LeBron got. Those were shots that we were okay with. He just made them, and and that was really uh, uh, something that we haven't seen from him before. And, and that, that determination and that that willingness to put the team on his back and 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 really carry him through. And and of course they they sort of took the momentum from there into the game seven and won that. Uh, lost game one in the finals and then and then swept the the, the, the final four games. So uh, you know I really do think that that game sort of uh, changed the Heat in general, and 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 certainly. Because LeBron is is the focal point, uh, change the way people look at him. Do you see the Heat going ahead and breaking the streak? You know, I I think I don't think they're going to beat San Antonio on Sunday. I think that that's probably uh, the biggest stumbling block that they've got. If you look at that after that, uh, you know, they get the Knicks at home, but then they've got a bunch of cream puffs. So I think once they get past San Antonio, uh, it's it's hard to see them losing. Uh, before they break the streak, but I, I I just have a hard time seeing them getting past San Antonio. I think the Spurs have a little bit of a grudge here. I think that they see themselves as a championship caliber team that's sort of uh, you know being shoved under the radar as usual. Um, and uh, you know they they've got a they almost beat Miami in the game that Popovich uh, was fined for sending uh, uh, his three star players home. So uh, you know I think that that there's there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of incentive for the Spurs in this one, uh, and I would be surprised uh, if, if this wasn't at least a game that came down to the wire, uh, that the Spurs had a chance to win in their own building, uh, you know, with Miami at, at the tail end of a, a four-game road trip. You know, I just think that all the stars are sort of aligned for uh, the Spurs to really, uh, uh, you know, take it to Miami and, and, and perhaps end this thing. Sean Devaney, our guest on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Always great to talk some uh, basketball with him. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Devaney, which is D-E-V-E-N-E-Y. And Sean, of course, S-E-A-N. Sean, with the the heat rolling in the Eastern Conference, it's hard for me to really see a team bothering them. Uh, in the playoffs to the point where they would be in jeopardy. The, I, I guess the one team I could maybe see has a puncher's chance would be Indiana. Do, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's almost been like uh, every month or two uh, there comes a new team, and you're like, well, maybe that's the one that could uh, that, that could give them trouble. Coming out of the gate, it was the Knicks, you know, with the way they were shooting the ball, and, and they were actually playing pretty good defense, 18-5 and five to start the year. Uh, and then after they faded, uh, you know, there was a chance that Derrick Rose was going to come back. So you think, well, you know, the Bulls have played well. They get Rose back, and maybe they're going to be the ones. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you had the Pacers uh, beat the beat the Heat twice, and, and uh, you know, we're looking pretty good, too. Uh, but they've sort of faded, and, and the Celtics, you know, once Rondo got hurt, they were playing so well. Uh, and we went over, you know, the, the troubles that the Heat have had playing in Boston. Uh, but, uh, you know, that now the Celtics have lost four in a row, and they don't look quite the same. So it's almost like you've had just different waves of, of, of possibilities, and, and here we are going into April, and it's hard to see. You know, none of these teams have sustained it. None of these teams have really held up. I would agree that, you know, if you look at the matchups, you look at, uh, you know, how, how the, the actual uh, uh, series could go, that Indiana's probably the toughest one. There's There's... there's uh, too many things that Indiana does well, you know, defensively and on on terms of rebounding. Uh, there's too many things that Indiana does well that bother Miami. And they can, you know, if Indiana can uh, limit turnovers, which they didn't do in the last game when they lost to uh, uh, Miami, if they can limit turnovers, uh, limit those easy baskets, and really force, uh, you know, uh, uh, an 89-85 kind of game, then uh, then I think you'd have to uh, you'd have to give Indiana a chance in the series. I really can't see anybody else though. Uh, of the teams in the Eastern Conference, are there teams that you like that, you know, maybe it's not their time just yet, but in a couple of years this could be a team to be reckoned with? Or are, there, are there any teams on the radar in that aspect? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I, I would think that Indiana 
uh, still has the best young pieces. It's just tough to say what went wrong with them this year. Uh, the bench uh, struggled. Roy Hibbert struggled. Uh, and, and those were two factors I think that they've had a hard time coping with. What they do with David West going forward is going to be interesting. I think probably Indiana, uh, you know, if anybody's going to challenge uh, the Heat going forward, uh, assuming that uh, uh, that uh, uh, you'll have the Bulls with Derrick Rose as well. Uh, but I, I really think that what I've seen from Indiana, you know, Paul George uh, is definitely a future star. If they can figure out what they're going to do with Danny Granger, I think they've got, you know, enough pieces to where they can build something. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously doing it very carefully. Uh, they're doing it very much with the luxury tax and with, uh, uh, with the salary cap in mind. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that they've got enough of a base. And, and like I say, the things they do bother Miami. So I, I think that's probably the team that I would look out for more than any other uh, because uh, uh, I, I really think that they've got the best base of talent as far as young players go. Sean Devaney of the Sporting News, my guest here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy, and Sean, we just saw the Lakers last night, and Tom Tolbert was working the game with me, and he brought up, I thought, a, a great point about the Lakers. He says they're not a team, they're just parts. And it really kind of sums it up right now, because they really don't seem to fit. Yeah, and it, it's funny that they at times they've worked best, when some of those parts just haven't been there. You know, when, when Paul Gasol has been out, uh, you know, they've, they've played some of their best basketball. Or, or when you haven't had Dwight Howard, but you have had Paul. You know, it, I, I don't think that, that the pieces fit, and I think they actually fit better uh, when, uh, you know, when they're not all together. So uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty difficult situation uh, for Mike D'Antoni to be in. I think he's, he's probably taken more criticism than he deserves for for what's happened there, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it is a matter of even if you had Phil Jackson, I'm not sure how much better they would be. You know, I, maybe they'd be a bit better, uh, but I, you know, I don't think that they would be uh, uh, much better than you know number seven seed uh, in the West. I think that that's just the, the way things have worked out. That that's just what the ceiling is right now. I think if they kind of pare it down and they make this all about Kobe Bryant and and, and Dwight Howard. And, and really everybody else is just going to have to be a role player. I think that's their best bet. I think that when they've had success, that's what's worked. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly if you try to get Nash involved, if you try to get Gasol involved, uh, and, and, and God forbid uh, Metal World Peace starts, starts launching shots as well, uh, you know, you're, you're really you're going to have a hard time winning. I mean, that's, that's been pretty clear uh, over the last few months. You know, as we talk about different uh, scenarios in the Western Conference, obviously we're concerned at the bottom. And what are your thoughts on on the Rockets? And do you think they're a team that has staying power, potential staying power, potential upset power in a playoff series? You know, I don't. I, I, I mean, they're they're a team that is as capable of running off ten wins in a row as they are ten losses in a row. They are they are really unpredictable. Uh, they're they're very potent offensively when everything is working. But it seems like the wheels fall off pretty easy for them. I think that they really do lack, uh, uh, you know, a good post-scoring presence. I think that that would probably, uh, you know, be, be sort of a stabilizing factor for them. Uh, but you know, I think in the playoffs, I think they'll be a pretty easy team to beat uh, because they don't really have, uh, you know, guys who can get you easy buckets. You know, James Harden has to work very hard uh, to get his points, and I think it's only going to get harder uh, when you get into the playoffs. So. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I've been impressed with the Rockets, uh, you, you know, the way that they've been able to change that team. I think Daryl Morey's done a really nice job in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, just altering what the future looks like for that team. Uh, but, again, I just think that uh, uh, with experience and, and probably with one more post player, uh, then, then, then they'll really be a team that you have to worry about. I don't think you worry about them too much this year. And continuing that thought, let's let's look at the Memphis Grizzlies. With all that's gone on there this year, would you expect uh, a lot of changes for the Grizzlies before the start of the next season? You know, I, probably they'll, they'll they'll have to tinker some, but you know, I think that they got themselves into a position where, all right, you know, we're 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 under the tax. That was their big concern. That was the uh, the fuel behind the uh, Rudy Gay trade and the and the trade that they had uh, with Cleveland before that. Uh, you know, now now that they're under the tax, I, I I think that they can at least see a way forward, and and you know you might have to look at 
all right, you know, are we as good as we can be with both Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol? What can we get for one or the other? Uh, I would certainly expect them to at least explore that um, and, and, you know, find ways, especially depending on how things go uh, in the playoffs. Certainly if they lose in the first round, uh, I would expect them to really consider uh, further changes. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think they got themselves in a position at least now uh, where, you know, they've got, they do have some pieces that fit, and, and, and they are, you know, such a strong defensive team. Uh, and, you know, if, if they can play well in the playoffs, then I think you see them just tinker in the offseason. If they don't play well in the playoffs, I think that uh, you're really going to hear Zach Randolph and or uh, Marcus Gasol's name come up in trade talks. What happens now as we head toward the, the postseason? Uh, you've been around this game a long time. What do you look for in the last few weeks as far as teams uh, getting ready for the postseason? Is it, is it crucial for a team to be on a roll going in, or, or can, say, veteran teams, maybe like a San Antonio, can they you know kind of cruise up and then, then as soon as the regular season ends, they go, okay, now we go to work? I mean, what, what do you look for at this point? Yeah, I think with with veteran teams, you're just looking for health. You know, if if if, if you're the Spurs, you're really looking for just uh, uh, you know let's let's make sure everybody's a hundred percent. You know, Ginobili's had a bunch of injuries. Obviously, Parker uh, and Duncan at his age are always uh, you know got to be concerned about that. So I think with 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 a team like that, you know, it's it's different than even Oklahoma City. You know, who obviously has some experience having gone to the finals last year. I still think, though, that overall they're a young team and they're still a new team. I mean, this is still, uh, you know, uh, without James Harden, this is a team with a different dynamic. I think you want, if, if I'm Scott Brooks, I want them, you know, going in with some confidence and going in uh, playing well. Uh, you know, a team like Indiana, like we mentioned before, I, I, I think that's a team that you really want to see, you know, winning 8 out of 10 before they go in uh, and, and, and getting some of the guys who have been inconsistent to play a little more consistent. So, uh, you know, I think it's probably different for every team. Veterans, I think you're just looking for help. Uh, but younger teams, you really do want to see some confidence. You really want to do see. Uh, you really do want, want to see some. Uh, uh, you know, a good ten game stretch where you where you've won seven or eight of those uh, of those ten games. You don't want to uh, be sort of shuffling into the playoffs if you're uh, a younger team that, that that doesn't have quite as much experience. So if you're the Golden State Warriors, then you would, you would hope that if you're a Warriors fan, you want them to be on a roll heading into this particular postseason. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, given the the way that they've played, uh, you know, prior to these last two games, uh, you know, they, they've obviously had their struggles. Uh, you'd like to see them uh, be able to, to play well on the road. I know they don't have a whole, bu- a whole bunch of uh, uh, road games coming up, but if they can play well on the road and, and, and gain a little confidence in, in terms of their ability to do that, uh, and, and, and certainly, you know, uh, get some of the younger guys. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson's been playing better. He'd like to see Barnes uh, play better and, and, and work the bench back in the way it was in the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that uh, uh, you'd like to see the Warriors uh, close out the season the way they started it. And, and um, you know, if they can hang on to that number six seed, and I think they will, uh, then uh, I, you really have to give them a shot in the first round, uh, no matter who they're playing, uh, especially if it's the Clippers. I think that they would have a pretty good chance. But uh, uh, really, if, if they can close out the season uh, doing some of those things that I mentioned, I think uh, you'd have to give them a chance in that first round. Final question for you. What, what do you think at the Warriors, if you were to uh... – add something for next year uh, with this Golden State team, what would it be? Yeah, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a, uh, a bench scorer, uh, you know, a guy who, who, who's, uh, you know, a Jason Terry type. Uh, obviously, they've gotten a lot out of Landry and Jack, but, you know, just to have that, uh, uh, that Jason Terry, Jamal Crawford type, I think that would be, uh, you know, a huge boost. Um, and that, that, that would really be something I think that's uh, – uh, that could change, and and obviously, uh, you know, a guy who can handle the ball a little bit, cut down on uh, the, the turnover problem that they've had, uh, would, would would help as well. So, yeah, you know, if they could get a Jamal Crawford, Jason Terry type, I think that to me uh, would be a huge boost to them. Um, yeah, obviously, health would be number one. You know, getting Andrew Bogut healthy and then and having him stay that way uh, would be excellent. But uh, uh, you know, that's that's. You can't sign that in free agency, of course. So, uh, you know, as far as a player goes, I think that sort of that that real uh, punchy sort of uh, bench scorer. I think that would be uh, uh, 
uh, probably a good fit for them. Always good stuff from Sean Devaney, sir. I appreciate your time. And, and of course, we mentioned the Twitter, Sean Devaney, which is S-E-A-N, capital D-E-V-E-N-E-Y, and, of course, uh, AOL.SportingNews.com. Sean, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Weekly Roundtable. Thanks for having me. Well, the Warriors basketball camp is offering a very special overnight camp session featuring Stephen Curry in Pebble Beach this August. The special overnight camp is for boys and girls ages 9 through 16 and is limited to the first 100 participants. Register online tonight or for complete details, go to warriors.com slash currycamp. Hi, Tim Moy. We look ahead to the schedule. The homestand continues with the date against Sacramento. We'll check that and more details as we continue on KBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe you're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now for a look ahead to the upcoming broadcast. Warriors continue the five-game homestead tomorrow night as they welcome the explosive DeMarcus Cousins and the Sacramento Kings. Sloppy sequence by Sacramento. Teague then throws it away to DeMarcus Cousins, who throws it right between the legs of Jeff Teague. DeMarcus to finish. Yes, he does. Oh, that was beautiful. A la Harlem Globetrotters by DeMarcus Cousins. Jason, it doesn't get any better than that. The big fella goes between the legs, coast to coast for the layup. Warriors and Kings tomorrow night. Pre-game show starts at 7 o'clock. It's also the David Lee Bobblehead Night brought to you by KMBR. The first to 10,000 fans receive a David Lee limited edition bobblehead. And then on the Saturday night, the return to Oakland. You remember last time Damian Lillard was in the house. Lillard just fires away. It's a 27-footer beyond the arc. My goodness. He's back in Oakland high. 82-74, and for the first time in a long time, the Golden State lead is down to single digits. Warriors and Trailblazers Saturday night, 7 o'clock pregame on KBR 680. The Golden State has some time off before the Wednesday night home game against New Orleans. 7 o'clock the pregame on KBR 680. The matchup for Steph Curry, Gravis Vasquez. Vasquez up top, out of the timeout. Better hustle into the lane at the broken line. Shoots off balance and knocks it down. Oh, shot. Yes, indeed. Vasquez used all 6-6 of his body for that one. Dueling was wrapping him up. Warriors and Hornets at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. It's a dynamic deal. Plus, the first to 10,000 fans receive a slam dunk poster courtesy of Kingsford Capital. And then the weekly roundtable back to Thursday night next week, April the 4th. 8 o'clock is our time on KMBR 680. I'm Tim Roy thanking all of our guests, thanking David Lee and Bob Fitzgerald for their conversation, thanking Festus Azili for his part in helping make the Bay Area a better place to live, thanking head coach Mark Jackson and assorted players for answering questions on our Warriors Vox segment. That's Warriors V-O-X on Twitter. Our producer is R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680. And remember, tune in right now or call in at 808-KMBR as Kevin Lynch of the Chronicle will be taking your calls and the comments in just a matter of moments. I, Tim Roy, saying good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Warriors and Kings tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right here on KBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side fires away. Three ball! For tickets, go to warriors.com. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.